We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You guys know where to follow me. You've been doing it all season, hopefully. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that's CKID206. All right, the season is over, guys. You know it. We know it. We all watched it together. It's cool. We don't even got to hash that out. Seahawks lost to the Rams. It's over. It's done. It's done. It's done. All right. Cool. I don't know if Pete Carroll listened to the show, but if he did and someone wants to send him the clip, this is kind of one big, I told you so. Right? Like, not just me necessarily, but I just think that uh, in general, this game, Chris, felt, this game, and the game was emblematic of the season, and we're going to get to why, but especially on offense, which is probably the most important side of the ball because it has Russ. It felt like one big I told you so because in the back half of the season, we had all these numbers and the eye test to suggest that even though the Seahawks were winning games, they won six of the last seven, um, um, and even though they were doing that, how they were doing it was not sustainable. And every time we presented that thing to like Pete or Russ or Shoddy or whoever, they were very dismissive. And not dismissive in a way that like, you never want to admit panic. Like, I get that. If we can't say, hey, Pete, your offense stinks. What are you doing? It's like, I don't know, guys. We're screwed. Like, Pete can't do that. I understand that he can't. Russ can't do that. Nobody in a leadership position can do that. You have to put on the face. And then behind the scenes, maybe you guys can panic or yell at each other or whatever. But you can't do that in public. Right? I understand that. I, I know how to, like, separate when someone's doing that versus when someone's, like, legitimately dismissive of the idea being presented. I can kind of glean the difference. I'm sure a lot of people can, too. It just felt like... Pete kept saying things like, yeah, you guys see it one way, I don't see it that way. Or even Shadi would be like, yo, I don't, you know, you guys see this, but really, you know, or Russ would be like, well, every game's kind of its own story. It's like, uh, well, if they're all the same story, then no. Uh, you know what I mean? So they keep just stacking. You got the same story stacking up. It's Tyler Play, you know, movie. Like, that's not, that's not good. And then the Rams game happens. And the same problems that they had all back half of the season come back to bite them in the, in the most important game of the year, 
And now you get Pete saying thing like, well, looking back, or uh, <laughs> or even uh, Russ had a, a quote where he's like, yeah, no, we kind of lost this a little bit, you know, or even Tyler's quotes that we'll, we'll get into. It just felt like, guys, we all not watching the same games as us, <laughs> like all year? Like when we're talking about your third down offense, um, like every time we ask about the third down offense, for example, um, they were bad all year on third down, but then we asked like, them specifically about it. Um, I know they can't give away all the details. Duh, that's stupid too. But it'd be like, oh, well, then you know, we had one play that this happened, another play that this happened, and this was a hold, and this was a drop, and this was an overthrow. And it's like, guys, guys, guys. In totality, third down is a problem. Fix it. And like, ah, Pete, you're not getting explosive pass plays. Shotty, you're not getting explosive pass plays. Ah, oh, we don't need to do that. You know, if they take away the, <laughs> the pass, the deep pass, well, then we can just run it. Pick your poison. And we can just throw it short. We want to be versatile, multiple. Pick your poison. No, that's the, <laughs> all that is dumb. <laughs> and this is why. It's not it's like sometimes the people on the couch know what they're talking about. Right? Sometimes the nerds or the, 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 the journalists or the media, quote unquote, sometimes we know what we're talking about. And in the last, I want to say, what, Chris, what, two months? Two months of the year? Maybe six weeks or whatever. We, we were kept presenting the idea that, like, hey, how the Seahawks are winning games, that's cool, that's fine. It's unsustainable. Like even in press conferences, you give like some of the players are like, "Yes, talking about the wrong things. Talk about how we just won this. Talk about how we've won three in a row, or how we just went twelve and four. And it's like, okay, we'll get there. But you guys' goal is to go twelve and four. You guys go in to win ten games. The goal is not to get to the wild card round. The goal is to get further than that. And you're not doing the things that will get you there. Defensively, they were. Mostly speaking on the offense. Offensively, they weren't doing those things. We could all see it. The Washington game. The Giants game. That's probably the worst one, right? Yeah. That was the one that when I was watching the game on Saturday, it brought back the same vibe of the Giants game. This is not pretty. The offense looks horrendous. Russ is back there holding the ball way too long, not going through his reads, not looking at DK immediately and saying, oh, he's locked up or he's actually open. There was just too much going on, and the Rams defense was playing it perfectly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As you put it, a few weeks ago when you said, hey, at this point, you should be worried about the offense, Pete. Uh, he, for real, said, I'm not worried. You guys can worry. I'm not worried. And in my head, remember we talked about that. I was like, I don't know if worry's the worry, but like, you should, something's wrong here. And, and then for it to come full circle on a game against a defense, arguably the best defense in the NFL, and that comes back and bites you the way it did, that has to sting. You came out there and wanted to execute this run, run, run style of play. And for the most part, the Rams shut that up. They did a really good job of just being there, hitting Carson all the time. They went 0 of 8 on third down, Mike. We to talked start, about to it. start the game. Yeah, yeah. I was texting I mean, they, you updates like 0 for 6, 0 for 7, 0 it was, for 8. It's embarrassing. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is really happening. And it doesn't. It, it seems as if Pete was just comfortable in his way of ugly offense and relying a lot more on the defense to make a huge play to kickstart things. Kind of what the Rams did today, where they – Ultimately, they told Goff, don't turn the ball over. Just go out there and execute the game plan, and our defense is going to come up big. And I think maybe Pete had that same style. But, Pete, you have number three. You have all these weapons. You have talent. You have opportunities that the Rams don't. You got to execute on these things and get it done. And they were not able to do that. And now we're sitting here with the season over. Yeah, well, and the worst thing that could have happened on Week 17 was that they won that game. Oh, yeah, that – you're, I, I understand where you're going with that. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to explain, too. Like most people here now probably know what I'm talking about. They won that game, and it validated all of the wrong things 
that Pete would have wanted to see. He was like, look, guys, we scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. We're good. And it's just like, <laughs> no, no, Pete. Focus on why you were bad for 75% of the game. And it's not, I keep saying Pete, it's not just him, but you guys get what I'm saying. I think the wrong lessons were being learned from all those losses, right? For example, or excuse me, from all those wins. Like today, I asked Tyler Lockett about the defenses, how defenses were playing them in the second half and, you know, just why they fell off a cliff in terms of explosive plays. And I'm not going to read the entire thing from Tyler, but he essentially said teams were game planning against them to throw it deep and they needed to adjust in game. He said they had good game plans going into the week and they would get into the get into it and be like, yo, we got to adjust to doing something different. And they just didn't do it well. Um, but then I was like, okay, then why wasn't it? Well, at the end of this quote, he's like, yeah, we did a great job adjusting on the fly. I'll say, well, why wasn't it better then? You know, why weren't those in-game adjustments better? And he was like, I think it was better. He said, we ended up winning our last four games. And he said some more things there. I, I, I tweeted the quotes too, and you guys can see. But my point is that it, that's that's just like Pete. It's the process. Or excuse me, he's playing the result. Because I get this. It's a bottom line business. Did you win or did you lose? But, like, you can predict winning and losing better when you have good process. And I don't know why I should have to explain that. <laughs> I feel like these guys should know that. Russ talks about falling in love with the process all the damn time. So, as he rightly should, their process was very bad on offense, and we could see it coming a mile away. Everyone was just kind of optimistic because Russ is great. Yeah. that's really, And then there was all the other things that we were going to talk about here in a second. And But ultimately, none of the result on offense was all that surprising. Like I said, bad on third down. Um, just uh, just atrocious today. Couldn't get really explosive pass plays. They had like a couple in the first half. DK's 51-yarder um, was one in off-script play. That was, yeah, a, it scramble. was a scramble drill. Um, Tyler had one on the Darius Williams. Uh, or Yeah, on the uh, – One-handed catch oh my God, down the sideline. Just beautiful. Tyler had a 19-yarder, uh, I think, as well. Um, but, like, there, there was some sprinkled in. But, like, the things that bothered them all year or in the back half of the season came right back to bite them. And it's, it, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Like, Pete was like, yo, I told those guys in the locker room, I did. I don't have space in my brain for how we played today. That's just not us. And it's like, did you watch? No, it <laughs> is you. That is, he said the same thing after Buffalo. It was like, he spoke, he's speaking mostly about the defense, but it's like, no, that was you too. Your defense stinks. It stunk up to week nine. You fixed it. But like, in week nine, that was who you were. You know, if that makes sense. And I felt the same way. That's why this game, I was, I'm sitting here listening to Pete speak and Russ and Tyler. And not to say I know more about offense. No, I would never say that. But I do think they were, like, being willfully ignorant to their own issues. Yeah, at least to, at least to us. They weren't focused on what happened. They were more so trying to make, I don't want to say excuses, but they're trying to make it seem as if they didn't execute their game plan the way they wanted to, and that's why they lost. But it's deeper than that. And you were kind of touching on it because – the Rams know what you want to do and you don't make any adjustments and Tyler alludes to it but the question that Mike asked well why didn't you adjust oh I thought we did but in your previous answer you were saying teams came out and did things differently and you weren't expecting it and you weren't able to make plays off of that there's there's the disconnect somewhere in that line and then when you come back and say yeah we we did a okay of adjusting now everyone's wondering what the hell is going on there's yeah. not you as a unit it's not connecting not everything makes sense. One guy's doing this. Another guy's doing that. You think you're supposed to do this. No one knows where they're supposed to be. And at this point in the wild card, everything's supposed to be in one motion. Everything's supposed to be fluid. Everyone knows where they're supposed to be. Everyone's on one string. And that wasn't the case. And that's why the result is what the result is. Because the Seahawks literally were doing multiple different things and everyone's saying different things and no one knows what's going on. And unfortunately, the season comes to an end and they had aspirations and goals of, Going to the Super Bowl, going against Green Bay, having that rematch, an opportunity to prove that 
we are way better than we were last year. We're going to be ready for Devontae Adams. We're going to be ready for Aaron Rodgers. Not even getting there. Not even getting there. They let a guy with a missing thumb for uh, all yeah, I care. Yeah, surgically repaired thumb. And a run game with Cam Akers that they couldn't stop if their life depended on it. Just come to Seattle and do just do what they wanted. Cakewalk. Yeah, the, the 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 run defense is bad. Although I think that this is actually this will tie into my last point about the I told you so part. The run defense is more of an isolated issue. I think this was only their third hundred yard rusher of the year. You play seventeen yeah. games. Um, I think they gave up. Uh, I have to go back and look. I I, I tweeted it. I hope it was right. <laughs> uh, I, I I counted on my head and didn't go through all the box scores, but I'm pretty sure the only time they gave up hundred yard rushes was Wayne Gallman in week thirteen and then Alex Ma- and Alex Madison in um, week five. Uh, against the against the Vikings, I'm pretty sure those are the only two in the regular season. So I consider the run defense today an isolated issue. But I think they were trying to isolate all of the issues um, and just and ignore that, like, yo, you have a systemic problem in the the explosive pass plays. That was really what we were always trying to get at. And I think when they're sit when they all sit down and look at it at the end of the year, they're gonna be like, wow, no, like there was something really, really wrong, and we all knew it. Every like I think we had one show this year. We were like, man, the Seahawks can't keep winning like this. I think we, we, we were referring to the defense at the time. Yes. I'm pretty sure. But the same logic applies to the offense, and that's why. And this is really my last point. When Pete would always mention how good the other defense is, <laughs> I always thought that was the weirdest response. Duh. <laughs> it was just like, even if they weren't good, it's like, well, okay, cool. You 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 did just enough to beat a good defense. It's like, dude. You know all the playoff defenses are going to be good, right? Unless you play the Titans. Um, <laughs> like every defense in the playoffs is going to be good. None of them, at the very least, none of them will be bad, right? So it's just like if your caveat there or whatever, your asterisk or whatever, your there's another word I'm thinking of there. If you're prefacing your your, your comment with, yeah, well their defense is good. Dude, you're gonna have to beat a bunch of good defenses in a row to get to where you want to be. So like the fact that you are underperforming against these good defenses is a sign of a problem. And I think they were probably purposely, again, downplaying it in front of us, because that's what you do. You don't embarrass your family in front of company. right? That's, I get that. But I could just tell, knowing the guys that we're talking about, and this includes a lot of the guys on offense, whether it's Dwayne Brown or like DK, like a lot of the answers were very similar over the course of the last month or so. It was all like they expected, a f- they isolated the issues like, well, fourth down didn't work because of this one fourth down, as if their whole fourth down numbers weren't bad. Oh, this particular third down didn't work because we missed a block, but we'll, we'll make it the next time. Like, no, you're 20th in third down percentage. you just been bad all year. I feel like they tried to isolate the issues in front of us at least, and it and it turned out like, no, these are s- unsustainable, like schematic issues that you guys had. And they all just came back to bite you against a defense that really was beefing. <laughs> Almost to the magnitude of a teacher in school where they say you didn't do your homework and you pull out your paper and, like, actually I did. But Well, it's, well it's almost like to, to follow the school analogy, it's like, yo, okay, you're, you, but you're passing the class. <laughs> well, it's just like how you're going about, like, getting the grades you're getting is unsustainable. And you just keep looking at the fact that you're getting C's or whatever, or even getting B's or A's, but, like, you're an unsustainable method of getting those grades. And you get, you know, go to a different class where you have to study more or th- it's just harder or something you have to prepare in a different way, and you just can't. Right? And then he's like, oh, damn, man, I sh- maybe I should have been studying more. Well, yeah, duh, you were focused on the process, not th- you're focused on the result and not the process. And I think, to pivot into the next part before we get into the questions we got, this is why I think this, was pro- this is probably the worst case scenario for Pete Carroll and the Seahawks right now. Think of all the things that were good going into this game. Everyone healthy, 
against a team that wasn't healthy <laughs> at the most important <laughs> position in sports. And then you don't even get further than you got last year. Like if they got went to New Orleans and lost, um, I'd have been like, you know what? That's a failure in my eyes. But maybe it's like, okay, whatever. Maybe you can justify it. I don't know how people would have, but there's a way. I'm sure. You lose this game like this, and you have no money to go for. And they got money. Yeah, like roughly 19, 20 million according to over the cap. But that's not nearly enough, I think, to make the big jump that they want to make. I think people forget how quick that money dries up. You got the exclusive rights free agents, the restricted free agents like Puna. You got the un- unrestricted guys. You got to save money for the draft picks. Like if that 19 million, you don't just have 19 million to blow on free agency. You got to save some of that. They really only effectively have like 11, 10 maybe. So you don't have a lot of cash. You don't have no draft capital. And then, because this might be the most important part, since the problem is not talent, the problems with Seattle are primarily guys who are going to be on the payroll in 2021 and beyond. Like, that's really where you have a big problem. Like, all this talk about adjusting and stuff like that, I don't really care if it's the players or the coach or the assistants or whatever. Largely speaking, it is dudes will be on the 2021 payroll. It's Pete. It's Russ. It's Shoddy. It's guys like Tyler. It's guys like DK. Guys who are going to be here. Like, their problems weren't like, David Moore, right? Like who may or may not be here, you know, next year or something like that. Like I don't think they're, pro- or maybe they'll fire some assistants, but I doubt it. I doubt it'll make much of a change. Right? Let's say they dump Dave Canales, the quarterbacks coach. I don't think that's like fixing the issues here, <laughs> or a dump they dump Austin Davis or something. You know what I mean? Like I don't think that's fixing it. Their problems are largely dudes who are going to be back. And how do you fix that? How do well, you starts f- with the philosophy and what they want to do moving forward? Are they going to really come out and try to do the same thing they did last right, year? Or right. Sa- well, I'm saying last year as if the season is a year old. Yeah, the season you, just ended. No, what you mean? Yeah, yeah. My point is, it's got to be a full on 360. Peach started in the first half, and yeah, the defense was trash. We get it. Yeah, it was not good. But the not defense good. also turned it up, and Russ went the other way. Went the other way. It was a flip. The whole offense did. It was a reverse. Yeah, but, but a lot of, lot of runs, You know that yeah. Uno card when you reverse it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was reverse. They threw it down. It was like, oh, snap. Well, offense, get back going. And we saw it for a flash. Two to three weeks. It's like, oh, offense is doing okay. Well, they put up 37 on the Jets in three quarters. Which is perfect. But we have to see that consistently. Against my, someone who's not the Jets, I guess. <laughs> we have to see it consistently. You got to do that against the Giants. You got to do that against the Niners. You got to go out and do that. Even though the Niners still had a solid defense. They had a great defense, yeah. I wouldn't say great. I would say solid. It was like top 10 at the end of the year in like DVOA. They were missing a bunch of their players. Yeah, no, I'm saying it was still good. Still good. Without Bosa and a bunch of other dudes. Yeah, it was good. I'm going to go with solid. I understand it. I still believe Russ and those guys with all the weapons they have in talent. They got to go out there and score. You did it against the Jets. Follow that same path, consistency, and go out and do it. You guys start to repeat after that game. Oh, yeah. we, We knew we could do it all along. Okay, cool. Take that same energy and take it to the next game. When you play against the Giants, they know what you want to do. They're dropping everyone deep. They said it prior to the game. Oh, yeah, we, we know Seattle likes to pass. We're looking forward to the challenge. And what did they come out and do? Offensively, they didn't turn the ball over. And defensively, they were prepared and ready for what the Seahawks were going to do. Did the Seahawks adjust that game? <clears throat> Not so much. You know how we know? Just check out the result. And then you fast forward to the end of the season. Opportunity presents itself again. Did the Seahawks adjust? <clears throat> Not so much. And when they did adjust, it was way too late. The deal had already been sealed. Moving forward, what is Pete going to do? Is he really going to look in the mirror and come out next season and 
we're going to run the ball and we're going to stick to our guns? Or is he really going to realize that you got a lot of talent? You got to unleash it. The defense, for the most part, should be solid. Again, Mike hinted that you might lose a few pieces, but it's important that you go out and you're looking for pieces that can fit and make this team, well, actually bring this team right back where they were. Because it's going to be very tough, like you said, to make this team better. It's going to be very hard. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, it's because talent isn't the... It's not the problem. Yeah. It's literally the philosophy and what is being brought and taught with this, with this, with the defense and offense. Offensively more because the offense didn't put up points. Defense was solid. Defense did what they could, but at the end of the day, they just couldn't stop the run, and boom. When you can't stop the run, even with golf and nine fingers, it just didn't feel enough for the Seahawks to overcome, and we saw it. With that Robert Woods touchdown, damn. Well, at that point, they were just trying to all strip the ball and stuff you, like you gotta that. You got to make a play, and it just didn't come yeah, down they to felt that. They were pressing. Remember everyone thought, like, yo, Russ is pressing because he thinks defense is bad, and I kept saying no. I'm, I truly believe the answer to that is no. The defense was like, the offense thinks we got to rip the ball out, yeah. sell out on the run, and then they were just like, hey, why don't we just play action over their head? And <laughs> there it is. Robert Woods was, he was as close to me as he was to like Shaq and Quandre <laughs> on that play. It was, it was not, it was not there. Like, so everyone wants to know now, where do you go from here? That's the toughest part. That's the disheartening part because like the, like the glass half full view is like, okay, cool. The pieces are there. The glass half empty part is like, yeah, the same pieces are there. So it's literally philosophy. You gotta change something. Yeah, so you're gonna have to. It's it's philosophy. It's a game of chess. It's accountability. I don't know if the right amount of accountability is there 
to fix the things that need to be fixed to get where they want to be. Accountability is really hard. Yeah. Like it's it's a relationship at the end of the day. You got grown men in relationships with one another and they have to have honest conversations with each other, point fingers, you know, accept blame. And you're talking about dudes who are making a lot of money and got a lot of different views on what's going right and what's going wrong. Um, I think that needs to be fa- and that's hard to fix. And I think that's why we went over stuff about them learning the wrong lessons and valuing the results over the process and things like that. And remember my theory from last show or two shows ago um, where I was like, yo. I don't think everyone's on the same page, right? And and Tyler I lock its comments. <laughs> yeah, and I don't and even yeah, it's just not like here's the example I'll I'll use. And I I said it to Chris before we started recording today. It, it reminds me it, it feels like to some extent, probably I would divvy this up between like Russ, Shoddy, Pete, maybe some players um along with Russ here that everyone's in the kitchen, right? I'm going to use that because this is the let Russ cook here. Everyone's in the kitchen. Everyone knows what they want to eat for dinner. They can agree. Everyone's like, let's have pizza, right? That's what we want. Everyone wants pizza. They can agree on they want pizza. Let's say pizza is the equivalent of winning the game or scoring points. Right? Everyone wants the same thing. But then you got one, somebody's like, yo, let's order Domino's. Somebody's like, let's order. Little Caesars. Yeah. Someone else's like, let's order Pizza Hut. Okay, well, damn, now we just got, you know, now we're, now we're all over the place. Even if they decide on, like, where to get the pizza from. Like, all right, I want anchovies on that thing. All right, well, I don't eat I don't eat uh seafood. All right, well, we're going to get pepperoni. Ah, I don't eat red meat. All right, well, we're going to get chicken on there. It's like, well, I'm a vegetarian. Like there's so many like now we're really not on the same page. Like eventually they're going to eat. Right? Like they're going to eat. They're going to order something. But is everyone going to be satisfied? Is it going to, you know, get you is it going to fill you up? Is it going to be what you needed to do? Like I think that's the best analogy I can put. Now you can assign who's in what box and who's on what different page. I just think we can tell that something's not there. And uh, this offseason is going to need to be, for the most part, fixing the people who need to change the most are people who are wearing headsets or microphones. And that's not necessarily to say it's only those people, but those are the biggest ones. It's Pete. Oh, it's, yeah, the, yeah. it's the other coaches. Like yeah. when they talk about in-game adjusting, that is not just shoddy. It's not. He's not the only dude in charge of that. There's other, there's other offensive. There's a whole offensive staff <laughs> up there in the boxes. Austin Davis is down there on the ground. He got He's on the payroll, too. Russ, at the end of the day, um, the players, if they if they call an adjustment, I think people don't realize how short halftime is. They really only have like four or five minutes. They're not changing the whole damn plan in four or five minutes. Maybe you can uh, tweak one or two things. You're not going in there and fixing everything in four or five minutes. Like just even going from all the way upstairs where those guys are down to the elevator. It's like uh, seven minutes. Yeah, well, just well, you got to wait because what if the Rams coaches are in the elevator, only one elevator, right? Like there's just a little bit of time it takes to get you know, to where you got to be, just physically, literally time to get there. So it's everyone is involved in adjusting and the game plan and all that stuff. Like when it was going right, it was everybody. It was Russ. It was Tyler. It was DK. It was the O-line. It was everything. It was assistant coaches, whatever. When it's going wrong, it's all of them too. So can those dudes wearing the headsets, because I, I include Russ in that too, because, you know, he's got the uh, the headset in his, uh, yeah. in his helmet, right? So it, that's hard to fix. I do think that's hard to fix. That that gets people fired. Like you look at like Green Bay, what got Mike McCarthy out the paint? Him and the other dude wearing a headset couldn't get along. Couldn't agree. Him and Aaron Rodgers didn't know a pizza to bring to buy. Why exactly? <laughs> they really couldn't. Yeah, Mike McCarthy kept ordering uh, pepperoni, and Aaron Rodgers kept like 
Text, veggie, I'm text, vegetarian, man. Get texting yeah. delivery dude like, hey, no, really, just put the put the onions on that joint. You know, like that was really <laughs> what was going on. So they got McCarthy about the paint. That stuff is hard to fix. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying it's 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 impossible, but that's way harder than just like getting another player. Yeah, we need speed it. on offense. Well, then draft somebody. Like you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, go sign someone, trade for someone. There's a lot. Like, look how easy they fixed their pass rush. It was one trade. <laughs> hey, Carlos. Oh, maybe, thanks. Maybe even Jamal two, Adams. Two trades. Yeah. Jamal and Carlos. Like, but that's two trades, right? Two like very easy. Like we traded for him, we got better. You can, you, like, even last year, we traded for Quandre, we got better. You know what Simple. I'm saying? If the problem is talent, that's honestly a lot better. Oh, we need receivers. Oh, cool. The draft has 100 of them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll take DK. Yes. Cool. Yeah, sign one, trade one, draft one. It doesn't really matter. When the problem is, like, hey, man, can me, you, you, and you figure our stuff out together over the course of time? Like, that's really, over that's. 18 weeks. Yeah, that's hard. And I don't, and I don't think it's as easy as like maybe we should subtract some pieces. Because like I said, I think everyone who's like most accountable in the blame pie chart is coming back. I think Shadi's coming back. Russell be back. Duh. Pete's be Pete will be back. I think Dave Canales will be back. Austin Davis will probably be back. And if he's not, again, I don't think that fixes an issue. And even if you were to dump like Shadi, then you have another issue. <laughs> who's gonna come in and bring a better offense than what we saw this season going into next season with all the talent that they just had? And then the chemistry the chemistry's probably not gonna be there, right? You got Russ and Pete. They've been they've been married for a long time. They're on they're on year what it's gonna be year ten of their marriage. Now you're bringing in somebody else to the kitchen. What if they don't even like pizza? You know what I'm saying? Oh, like man. now you got another problem there that you gotta adjust for. You're bringing in an outsider into a relationship that probably isn't that like solid and you know, so that doesn't, that doesn't, even though that sounds like the good thing, like, oh, just get shoddy out of here, get someone else who's better at adjustments. Well, it's just like, like I said, you're bringing somebody else into a situation that's not, you know, great. So it's not as if the Seahawks went nine and seven, they went 12 and four. Yeah. So you got a <laughs> lot of people in that room who are going to think they're right. You know, not to say that they're wrong necessarily, but that's hard to do. And I feel like anybody who's been in any type of relationship that's been like struggling, whether that's mom to mom to, to kid or parent to kid, kid to parent, brother to brother sister to sister spouse whatever you understand like when you get a bunch of people in the room who think they right everything can fall apart you know and it's going to be hard to adjust on the fly so that's between all the 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 talent part then the money part of it the philosophy part of it this was the worst possible outcome you could imagine with the assets they don't have the money they don't have the talent they do have the 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 headset wearing people they do have. I don't know how to fix this thing from afar. I'm going to write about it all off season, of course. But I don't really have great answers for how to fix it because I think so much of what you have to fix is stuff that happens inside the VMAC in meeting rooms that we don't have access to. Yeah, I didn't watch this team and think they lacked for talent at really any position, to be honest. Maybe a little upgrade at the tight end spot um, relative to the money they were spending at tight end. I think they were spending like 12 million bucks on tight ends or something like that. But for the most part, I didn't think, like last year we came out of it like pass rush, pass rush, pass rush, secondary, secondary, secondary. This year I'm just like, hey man, everybody on offense, it's y'all. <laughs> Get together and figure that out. Get in the room and, yeah, and have that meeting that the defense did. Yeah, yeah. They need to be a real deal. For real, they need to, that's a good point. They need to have like a real deal, like accountability joint. Yo, Pete, man, what we doing out here? We're trying to win games, man. We don't want to run it all game. What can we do? Yeah. What, so, what do we need to do? That conversation has to be had like tomorrow. <laughs> Pete said in the post game, yeah, we're going to talk about it. We're going to figure some things out. Yeah, it needs to happen ASAP or you're going to be looking at another season where you don't reach expectations where it's Super Bowl and you don't even get out the wild card, man. Yeah, that's the thing. They have Everyone's expectations are different. I tweeted 
is well, the last thing I'll say before we get to the questions. I tweeted out, I, th- I can't remember when, I said, hey, how far do they have to get to this to be a successful season? I got like 200 answers or something like that. I don't know what was the most popular, but for me, it was, if you don't get to the Super Bowl, it's a failure, right? And it's different for every team. I think for Cleveland, if their season ends on Sunday, that's great season. Great season. First playoffs since, since Nam. Like, that, that's <laughs> for real. That They haven't been to the playoffs in forever. Like, I think the Colts had a good year. Yeah. Rel- relative to their expectations. Round of applause. Where if Baltimore loses on Sunday, that is a failure. Failed season. That's a yep. failed, like, everyone's expectations are, you know, adjusted accordingly. You got five teams in total that have aspirations of winning the Super Bowl. Everyone else? Yeah, I think. that I mean, seriously winning. Yeah. Sure, everyone wants to go in winning, but when it comes down to it, there's five teams. Yeah, I would that say, That yeah. really are legit contenders to win it all. I Outside of that, you make it to the postseason, cool. You have a winning season, even better. That is what separates contenders and playoff teams and all that. The Seahawks were in that conversation as a contender. Yeah, the Seahawks were one of those teams where if you didn't get there, it was a failure. I think in that group as well is probably the AFC's tricky because, like, I don't know how many people should expect to get to the Super Bowl that aren't Kansas City because Kansas City's so good. But I know. But they, even even then, they have the expectation. They know, they believe that they can do it. They have to have things go their way. But ultimately, I would say Pittsburgh. See, I don't think if Pittsburgh doesn't get to the Super Bowl, their season is a failure because I don't think it's reasonable for them to ex- expect not to be able to throw the ball down the field or run it <laughs> with a 50-year-old quarterback <laughs> to get to the Super Bowl. I don't care how good the defense is. So, like, I think – I would say the only team in the AFC who should be legit disappointed, like their the season's Chiefs. a failure, is the Chiefs. Everyone else, I can understand disappointment. And the NFC, though, the Seahawks, the Saints, um, Packers. The, the Bucks, and the Packers, if they don't get there, obviously only one of them will. The other three who don't, failure. Like well, you failure. said Baltimore, too, is another team. No, right? I'm saying just NFC. And, okay, oh, but, yeah, I would say Baltimore, too. They should, they should feel like if they you know don't. What? Even Buffalo this season. Yeah, Buffalo's tricky. But like, that's but yeah, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. You get my point. Everyone's expectations are different. This was legit. I asked Jamal. I said, Jamal, I was, hey, yeah, I, did you get if you this, was this a failure this year? And he's like, yeah, we didn't win a Super Bowl. Failure. DJ Reed said it after whatever game it was. I think Washington game. Yeah, if we don't win a Super Bowl, failure. They failed. I don't think anyone in that building has good answers. Like I bet you, if I asked ten different Seahawks, not even just players, give me five players, three executives, two coaches. If I asked ten of them. How do you fix this team? I bet you I get 20 different answers. Mm. That's what's the difficult part. Last year, it was a lot easier. Upgrade your secondary, upgrade your O-line, upgrade your pass rush. You'll get there. You remember, and then let Russ cook. You remember Russ's comments Which last one? season after the loss? What do you need, Russ? What can make this team? We need more superstars. Yeah, oh. like the answers were a <laughs> lot more like... They were a lot more like roster oriented. And now they, they're now they're more like relationship accountability and, and goes, philosophy oriented. And that goes to your point of you'll you'll get multiple different answers because they solved the issue of talent <laughs> and fixed it <laughs> real quick. Yeah, good <laughs> for them. It, fixed it within eighteen weeks and fixed the philosophy issue in terms of offense. It was like let's let's throw it more. Yeah, they had one of the most pass heavy offenses in the league, like top six or something like that. And then things got a little scary. And they were still pass heavy. It just didn't. They didn't adjust well. So uh, we'll get into the questions now, but. I know. I think someone responded to one of my my story from last night or Saturday and was like, "Yo, how can you call a three point lo- uh, a loss to a, a three point underdog inexcusable?" And I think it's the context around it. The circumstances were so great, everything was had gone so right in their favor, and they themselves internally messed it up. I don't think the Rams are necessarily more talented. Uh, they in turn the Seahawks beat the Seahawks. Whether you, you want to blame that on Russ or Peter Shoddy or whoever, the Seahawks beat themselves and. Only the Seahawks can fix that. I just don't know how they go about that. Maybe if they let me in the room, maybe. But I just don't know from afar. Well, 
we got a lot of Twitter questions, as we figured we would get, because oh, the yeah. season just ended. But let's jump right into it. We'll kick things off with, there is a lot of questions that need answering here. Here's one. Is this the worst 12-4 and four team ever? <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that, man. This, this, I don't think you guys realize how long football's been around, man. There's got to be plenty of bad 12-4 and four teams. I just don't know off the top of my head. This team itself was talented and good. That's the problem. That's what we were just talking about. This 12-4 and four team, how many pro bowlers they have this year? Seven? I'm pretty sure they have seven. Like, Nick Ballore, Tyler Ott, um, Russ, DK, Bobby, Quandre, Jamal. Seven, that's a talented ass team. Even th- even if the Pro Bowl is not the end all be all, that just generally says how much talent you have on top of guys like your kicker and your punter both <laughs> could have had Pro Bowl seasons on top of your yeah. left tackle and KJ. Should have had ten. Yeah, like that's <laughs> come on now, like that. Yeah, this is not the worst twelve and fourteen. We got a lot of questions on this one. Combine them all, and it's simple. In five words, do the Seahawks fire Shoddy? Okay, this is a tough question. But I feel like I got to a little bit of it in the last part of, this, of the show. But I'll, I'll try to keep it short now. I lean towards no. Just because I don't, like I mentioned, I don't think it's just a matter of something schematic. Whereas I'm sure that is part of the problem for sure. I can guarantee that it's part of the problem. But I don't know how much of that problem gets fixed by bringing in a stranger. Like let's say, let's say you fire Brian Schottenheimer, right? Which I don't think they should do. But let's say you do that and you bring in, or let's say the Texans already fired their staff, right? You bring in Doug Peterson or something, right? He's the Eagles. He was like the mastermind behind the Eagles or whatever. Or you bring in Bill O'Brien, who actually I think is a good offensive coach. He's just a bad GM. So you bring in somebody like that. Or even you call back, let's say you don't call back Daryl Bevel. I'm just, my point is you bring in a stranger who is like good at offense. You bring in North Turner or something like that, right? You bring in that offensive mind. I don't care if you hire someone from college or whatever, right? Let's say you do that. You're bringing a stranger into the kitchen. And in theory, that could be great. A new voice, an unbiased voice that's not tied to Russ, that's not tied to Pete, that is just coming in objectively to help fix the problem, right? It's like an independent arbiter. That could be great. I think it'll be a freaking disaster <laughs> if it happens. I think if you, if you, it's a lot easier, I think, not a lot easier, I just think it is easier for these guys who have some years together and who were there when things went right can figure out how to get it back right then it, it would it's easier to do that than i think to bring in an outsider to figure you know just come in kind of cold and fix like all of these like personality clashes that you may be our philosophical clashes that you may be having i think that part is tricky because it's not just like oh bring in the schemer no there's more than that going on there. I can feel it. I don't have. I'm not reporting this. I can just feel that bringing in outsiders, like in theory, could work really well. It's like almost having a therapist, right? It don't got no ties to either one of you. But I just don't think that'll go well. Like I think they end up just like throwing shoes at the therapist and arguing on the way out the door. <laughs> like I think that's what would happen. Is this it for Chris Carson? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Not because Chris doesn't deserve to get paid. I think he does. But I think this is probably statistically, I have to look it up, it's statistically his worst season um, as a pro when he's played more than four games. And the running back market is not getting, it's not great for outside guys. Um, but I still think someone will give him more than the Seahawks are willing to just because of like what kind of runner he is. And another team will feel like we can put him at better use than the Seahawks were. Um, so I, I think that he's pro- they're probably going to lowball him. He probably ends up wanting more. They probably say no. 
and then he goes out and asks for more. I do think there's a potential for like a clowny-ish situation where Chris goes in wanting a lot, the Seahawks saying hell no, and then once he's sitting there on the market maybe because he thinks he's like $10 million guy, but the market says you're like a seven, and then he sits there waiting and then there's nothing, and then he's like, okay, I'll just come back. I could see a situation like that, but I definitely think he hits free agency and test the waters. You think Ken Norton will be employed with the Hawks in two weeks? Yeah, I think so. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Shadi and, and Norton both signed three-year deals, and they both did 2018, 19, and 20. So I think so. I'm, I'm fairly confident in there. That's another one of those where I don't think Pete will learn the same lessons that you guys, or maybe even, nah, I'll put this on y'all, that you guys would want him to. Like, he'll see the defensive turnaround, understand what Ken Norton did um, to, to help that turnaround happen, and then bring him back. Like, he knows at the end of the year they were playing the greatest ball they had played in years, and I think that is what Pete will focus on. Whether I necessarily agree with that or not, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest with you, but I'm pretty sure that's how Pete will look at it. Like, he'll look at it like, yo, Kenny turned this thing around. Not just that Kenny was involved when we stunk and Kenny helped turn it around. He'll look, he'll a glass half full guy and be like, yo, Kenny helped turn it around, and I want to bring him back. Also, Kenny's his guy. He calls him Kenny. Will we ever see progressive offensive scheme play calling in Seattle? More than letting Russ cook, like putting really talented guys in really favorable positions rather than relying on them to beat the guy across from them every time. You know, I think they do a little bit of that, which is why I don't think it's just all like, oh, they can't adjust and it's Shotty's fault. I'm watching the games from the from the box. I only watch how many games I watch on TV. I watch the White Washington game, the was Buffalo game, the Arizona game. The Arizona game I wouldn't necessarily say was on TV because I had that game. I had the All-22 where I was. I was with Steve Rabel. So the only games I watched with just a TV copy was Washington, Buffalo. Dang, I'm missing one. Does it, I just Which one did I watch with you? Niners. Oh, the Niners game. Thank you. So there was th- three of them. Um, I think, I other than that, I can see, and I went back and watched the All-22 on all those. I can see guys open. I can see Russ miss a check down. I can see him not hit somebody down the field. I can see all that stuff. You know, I can see the play call being designed perfectly where somebody schemed open and there's a hold or a, or a missed block or Aaron Donald blows through someone's face or, you know, whoever blows through someone's face, right? I can see all that stuff. They're going to see that when they look at the tape too. Like, it ain't perfect. And I think they had there was a couple of games where they had perfect play calls and then the pressure comes. And then now Russ got to move the wrong way or, you know, so stuff like that. So I I do think they should do more of it, though, but I wouldn't say it's non-existent. What I will say is that in a game like the Rams, I think this was a good example of what's wrong with their offense. They had a lot of two-man routes. So they would have a lot of max protection stuff. They'd be in like 12 personnel, right? Jacob Hollister and Disley. 12 personnel. You got Chris in there. You got DK. You got Tyler. They run a play-action bootleg to Chris. So he's either staying in the block or he's leaking out. You gave me, we have Jake leaking out, but basically those guys, you're basically looking at two-man routes downfield. Well, if you have a linebacker go follow Chris, another linebacker sit underneath on Hollister, you still have a four or five-man rush. So you got like five on six up there with Russ, and then you got four guys guarding Tyler and DK. Right? I don't care how fast them dudes are. It's four on two. <laughs> That's really hard for them to get <laughs> open. So then Russ has to hold it, right? And on TV, it looks like he's really holding it too long. Uh, and then he takes a sack or has to throw it away or whatever. And then it's like, oh, man, Russ is broken. So I don't know how you fix that because in this game in particular, they were trying to, you know, use a David Moore more often or just like trust their guys one-on-one. And Aaron Donald sacked Russ on like two times in like three plays. And they were like, oh, nope, screw that. We got to help out. We got to like double team him. We got to chip. And that takes away guys who are in the, the play. 
there's a couple plays where I'm like, wow, this is a two-man route. No wonder nobody was open. It's four guys in coverage on two dudes. It's hard to get open. DK's touchdown was just like that. He just scrambled, though, to bottom time. So I think that's – they have guys who can get open and get in put, put in good positions. I just think that the main thing they should change is all this long developing stuff that they do like that. That is what kills uh, their offense a lot of the time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What silver linings can come from this game? Oh, that's a quick one. None. There's nothing good that you take from this. Nothing. Zero. They lost. It was terrible. It looked terrible. And everything we just talked about earlier, all the context behind it, this was the worst possible outcome they could have had. Mm, that hurts. I'm hurt. Any ways to help me recover from the amount of pain I'm in? Uh, don't drink. Uh, drinking to forget is very dangerous. Uh, as a coog, I know for sure it's bad. Uh, and fun fact, you end up remembering in the morning. <laughs> so don't do that. If Russ and Pete are as good as most media types say they are, why are they getting dummied in the playoffs every year? Um, I don't think that I don't think they're getting out coached every year. I don't think they've been out coached. I think they got out coached like twice in since I've been covering the team in the playoffs. I think Dallas and today. But I don't think that's like a, enough of a recurring issue to say that they're not great. I think here's what we learned about Russ today. I know that's not the, exactly the question, but here's what we learned about Russ in 2020. His floor is a lot lower than we thought it was. His his ceiling is still as high as it possibly could be. His ceiling is best player in the league. No lie. Legit. His floor, though, was a lot lower. Like, his floor is like stuff like the last eight weeks of the season when he was basically as good as Andy Dalton. No lie. Like, go look at the numbers. He was basically as good as, like, a Kirk or Andy Dalton in, like, the final nine games, of statistically, at least. And a lot of the eye test bears that out. His floor is is that. I never thought it was that low. I thought, like, Russ's floor is, like, still, like, a top 10 dude. He was, like, a top 15-ish guy. That's a much lower floor than I thought. And the fact that his floor can be, like, sustained, for lack of a better word, that's a problem. And I didn't realize that before. I don't know. I, I, I didn't think Russ could drop to that low of a, of a player for a sustained amount of time. It's everyone could put up a stinker, but Russ was consistently around, like, 15 to 20 range, whereas I always expected him to be in the top 10. Where did it all fall apart, and why wasn't it fixed? This organization is too good to have let things go wrong for so long. Ooh, that's tough. Um, I think I think the organization is not in a bad place, and it hasn't been for... I mean, it is in a bad place right now, but it's not in a super bad place. It hasn't been for a while. I think if you had to isolate this season, I think the Giants game is probably... the. It's probably been building up over time. It's not one thing, but I think the Giants game was probably where I was most like... Are these guys are they all watching the same game together like that's the for that was like the first time i was like okay russ is saying this shoddy saying this pete saying this and then some other guys mixed in i'm like what the hell <laughs> like what and then you know i i started trying to dig a little more and look at the film and listen reread the quotes and talk to some other people and i'm like hmm 
that that was the moment. And I think it just got worse as it went on. And then the Jets game masked. Oh, I messed that up. The How do I want to say that? Masked. The Jets game covered up a lot of them issues. I can't say that word. It's very tough. I'm not gonna even try. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, no. I think that's what it, I, I would say. It built up over time, but the Giants game in particular is probably where I noticed all the things that I'm saying now. Why has Russ been bad for the last two months? Is it really as easy as if you take away deep play action shots, Russ is suddenly mediocre? No. See, that's what I'm saying. I think it's more than that. But I think there's so many things. But I think the main thing is accountability, and not just. Russ being held accountable. I think it's everyone. Like to what ex- like what can Pete or excuse me, what can Russ really say to Pete? I really want to know that. I will never probably get an honest answer to that, but what can he walk into the room and be like, "Coach, what the hell? We're doing this or else." Like can, what what power does he have? I honestly don't know the answer. I'm presenting that as like a open-ended question. I think that's important. What can Shadi walk in there and say? What can Russ say to Shadi? What can they say to him that he'll be receptive to without a pushback? You know, like that. There's probably so, I'm focusing on those three because they're the most important. Like, what all goes into who can talk to who a certain way? And I think that factored into. I, th- I also think that they lacked the all the long development stuff was a problem, and I think that they lacked somebody really shifty underneath. They needed like a Cole Beasley. You know who they needed was like <laughs> needed Doug. They needed like one of them underneath Jarvis Landry type, one of them underneath type of dudes to really bail Russ out. Um, and they just didn't have it. They kept trying to do these crossing patterns and deep post stuff, which I get. You got to be explosive, but it just it did not work. And at the end of the day, they did not have guys winning one on one battles or double teams consistently down the field. Struggling offense. You got 100 points of blame to assign between Pete, Shoddy, and Russ. How do you divvy it up? Oh, man. I feel like I'm trying to dance around that type of question all the show. Uh, let's see. I will say 35 Russ, 35 Shoddy. That's 70, right? Oh, no, 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 no. That's too much. I'm not leaving Pete enough. I'll probably say I'm probably going to go 25, 25, 25. No, 30, 30, 30, all three of them, and then like 10% other. Because like I said, you can have some stuff called, right? And then if, for example, Ethan Postick gets called for, I'll give you a good example. You can have a great play call down the field for uh, DK Metcalf against Patrick Peterson. If Damian Lewis gets called for holding, you know, it, it takes everything. It, it, it's gone, right? It's done. That's not, or, you know, or like you have a great goal ball called against the Eagles to start the second uh, half, and DK hits it right off his hands, right? Like, that's the other there's so many of them little other uh thingies in that you got to account for so i won't just it's not only those three but it, they are the most important but there's other people that got to get hit in the blind in the blame chart too with the season being over which of the seahawks impending unrestricted free agents do you think are worth their price tags this offseason is there any chance p carroll john Snyder think paying a running back is worth it oh i doubt they do that um Let's see who's unrestricted. I, I I would probably say KJ's worth whatever he would command. I don't imagine it. Uh, KJ doesn't have much leverage because he doesn't want to play anywhere else. So like even if the let's say the Chargers call and want to offer him a bag, how likely is he to take that? And if you're John Snyder and you know that, you 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 can negotiate. So um, let's see. KJ, I think, would be worth it. Uh, I don't know what Shaq's value is. Now that's a weird one because there's not many other corners out there. But Shaq had a good enough year. It's it's weird. Um, I still think he's probably in like the tw- at, at the very least like twelve million range. Um, so 
I don't think they view that the same way. Chris, no. Uh, Benson Mayoa is someone I bring back. Demo's an interesting one. I could see a team overpaying on, the, not overpaying, but you know what I mean. Giving him like a Mike Davis, Quentin Jefferson type of thing where it's like, that's probably what he's worth, but the Seahawks disagree. Um, let's see. Those are the big ones. Puna's restricted. Yeah, those 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 are the really big ones. I, I think Ethan Posick is a tricky one. I'd probably just bring him back. You need a center. Does this team take a chance on a quarterback in the draft and try to put pressure on Russell? Oh my God, yo, uh, no, they've drafted one quarterback since 2012. Uh, was that Alex Magoo? I think he's still on the roster. Brought him back. Yeah, practice that's, squad. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think that would do. Let's see here. So with Aaron Rodgers, they drafted his uh, successor, and he just went and had his best season. Yeah, it turned out to be uh... <laughs> yeah, it worked. And with Carson Wentz, they drafted his successor, and he ended up being boo boo. I don't think either of those things would happen with Russ. I just think you would just make him angry. Like I don't think it would like be a net positive or a net negative. It just wouldn't do anything good. I don't think that. And you only got four picks. If they burn one of those on a cornerback, boy. I'm about to slam John Snyder and Pete uh, at the draft if they do that. What offensive coordinator could make a difference? I know you touched on you don't think it would work, but if you had to, if the Seahawks were like, we're done, what offensive coordinator could come in, keep things the way they are, keep the ship rolling? Um, That's a good question. It would have to be someone who they're familiar with. I don't think you can bring in anybody outside um, because I don't think they'd have the they, they wouldn't be able to speak in that room. I'm pretty sure. Like, of course, they'd literally be able to speak. But you guys know what I mean. How much say would they have? Um, I would probably. Say, I mean, you could bring back Bevel, I guess. Um, yeah, that would be an interesting one. Yeah, I don't really think there's any outsiders that would that would fix it. You know, what would be kind of interesting though. Um, this won't happen. But if they were to bring in like Doug as like an offensive analyst like in the Austin whatever role Austin Davis is in give that to Doug because I think Doug's really big on accountability in a way that they probably need from everyone like he would hold everyone accountable now the problem with that is Pete would probably just fire him <laughs> if he talked to him crazy <laughs> but and Doug would probably like I don't care I'm gonna go back to being a dad like <laughs> screw this uh, but I, I think that would be a fun experiment because he's big on accountability always has been We'll always shoot you straight. Shoot it straight. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough. An outsider, I don't think, gets gets you to where you need to be unless Pete's willing to like relinquish a lot of power and be more of a listener. What happened to targeting the tight ends? Disley was a beast last season, and then they added Olsen. That is a good question. I have to go check. I don't, I don't think the percentage of the targets to the tight ends dipped that much. Um, as much as people think I think it's one of those things that you can feel it on the TV but the numbers don't back it up where I think like I think Hollister have three touchdowns I think Disley had what two Olsen had what the one that's six I think I have to go check the the percentage of the targets uh, to really have a good feel in general though um, I think that they really liked their 12 personnel and having that extra blocker and I just think overall they they were feeding the ball to DK and Tyler a lot like, I think they ended up with both, what, combined for, like, 260 targets or something like that. Like, that's absurd. Yeah. <laughs> and that's probably where it should be, but I'm saying that takes away from a Disley or a Hollister or whatever. Please convince me that either 
A, the current Seahawks core leadership can truly contend, or B, there will be some actual self-reflection leading to meaningful changes. I don't know who asked this, but I can't convince you of that. I just I don't have enough information. That's the thing. Look, look what I'm ultimately dissecting. Chris, we're not going over like too much schematic stuff. We're a little bit here and there. Really, we are talking about things that are going to transpire behind the scenes and not just in the offseason. They need to be sustained because clearly they were all on the same page entering the season. They're all letting Russ cook. Uh, question was from Mike, by the way. Uh, appreciate the question, Mike. Great name. But like <laughs> they were all on the same page of week one. Week two, week three, and week four. Entering the bye week, they're probably on the same, right? So it's about can you sustain that, right? Like everyone's honeymoon is great. Even the first couple of months of marriage are probably great. And circumstances changing, can you guys still be on the same page? That is where I don't really have a good – no one does. I don't care who you're listening to. You're listening to 710, KJR, no offense to y'all people's Chris. But <laughs> I don't care who you're listening to, whose podcast, who, what talking head on ESPN or whatever – no one has a great answer for that. And if they do, they're not going to say it out loud. I don't care who it is. Unless you see freaking John Snyder spilling the beans, <laughs> you're not going to hear the real answer here. No one's going to, even if I know it, I'm not going to say it on here, right? Because it's one of those, whoever tells me is probably going to kill me, right, if I do it. That's what is so tricky. That's why I'm doing my best to, like, give you what I got now. Because when I get the real answer, it's going to be hard to give it out you know, without exposing who I got it from, you know what I mean? So I think because it's all this behind the scenes stuff, I can't really sell anyone on it, you know, being getting to where they need to be. The good news is, I will say this, they still have Russ, they still have Pete, and that will have their floor. Their floor will always be the playoffs, I think. Well, no, it won't, but because they didn't make the playoffs. Their, their floor will probably always be like nine games. And if that's your floor, you're a good team. What does this defeat do to the relationship between offense and defense? Do you turn it around? Got to feel aggrieved by how bad the offense has been lately. I don't think either side played well enough for the whole year to look at the other side and feel away. I think they're going to come back in the next year with Russ as the captain, Bobby as the other captain, and figure it out from there. Like Each, each guy is going to have their side of the ball that they take care of. I don't think they can worry about the other side of the ball. I think... I, I, hopefully I'm answering the question right, but I don't think it's a matter of like, yo, y'all got to get y'all crap together. No, it's I'm Russ. I'm going to take care of the offense. What I do. I'm Bobby. I'm running the defense. What I do. Where they fix it is whatever, but I don't think either side played well enough for a whole 16 games, including the playoffs to be like, we did our job. It's on them. This ain't like the, the 2018 bears are looking at Mr. Biscuit, like, bruh, <laughs> or look, what's his name that missed the kick? Cody Parkey. Looking at Cody Parkey like fam. You know what I'm saying? No one can really, really do that on this team. Was this a chemistry thing or is the Rams defense that much better? Yeah, it's like I just talked about with the kitchen example and the pizza. It's it's a chemistry thing, I think. I mean, there's some schematic stuff too, I'm sure. But it, and I think the schematic stuff would get fixed. I really think if it was like, if everyone was on the same page. Because if it's not, I guess I should have said this earlier, Chris. If it's if I'm completely wrong about the chemistry thing and the and the the accountability and all that, if I'm completely wrong and they're all on the same page and couldn't figure it out, fire everybody. Mm. Serious. Because then there's really no hope. <laughs> like if if all of you guys are on the same page and you were just get everyone was just playing chess better than y'all for nine weeks or whatever it was, no, get out. Because that's that means you guys just aren't good enough. Like, I don't think that's the issue here. If now, if it is, yeah, that's that's real bad. Then everybody get out, for real, because that's that's a legit 
like everybody with Russ, I should say, because you got to keep Russ. But everyone else, get out if you're if they were just legit playing chess better than you guys. Because think of how unrealistic that is. Usually when we see some like an offense or a team get on a run, they don't get figured out until the next year. Like even Tebow's team didn't get figured out to the next year, really. Um, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, the Wildcat offense. Remember like the Dolphins were made that hot for a little bit. I'm not whatever year, year it whatever. was, when when a, when there's like this offensive run, it takes a little bit to figure out. At least usually takes an off season. Maybe they have a stinker in between. Like you look at the Rams, 2018 Rams, cooled down in 2019, and now they're crap on offense at least. Like that took time. Usually it doesn't happen in week 10. You know what I'm saying? Like if, so if if teams are just playing chess while they were playing checkers, and they can't come up with answers, oh yeah, then get some people out the paint. I guess I should have said that earlier, but you know that's that's real deal problem. What was the most enjoyable aspect of the season for you guys? Awesome work all season, keep killing it. Appreciate the love, Ryan. Uh, let's see. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think uh, that's a good question. Um, who asked that? Our guy Ryan. Ryan, he Ryan would come with a fire question. Uh, for me, I think it was maybe just learning more about football like i probably said it on the show like i really tried to learn football this year learning how to read a play and know like okay this is the protection part this is the this part like learning coverages being able to id fronts and all that and i talked to a lot of people behind the scenes players former coaches agents analysts just picking their brains that was that's how i really got confident in what's going on you know i think i learned a lot about football and if and I think I was willing to admit what I didn't know. Like, come to guys on the team be like, hey, I don't know what this means. Am I reading this right? Teach me real quick. And then people would help me out. So I think that's really, that that helped me understand the game a lot more. So when I'm looking at the game from afar, I'm like, oh, this is they're running this and this and this. And this is what he was supposed to do. And he blew that. That was probably like the, other than like doing the pod to engage with you guys. Because you guys all give me a good temperature on what, like, what are you guys angry about? What are you happy about? What do you want to know? Because as a writer, I know what I know, right? but I don't know what you guys want to know all the time. I could write a story, but if you guys are like, ah, oh, we really wanted to know this, Mike, this is where I get the most feedback. This in the comment section from my stories, but by then the comment section, and I already wrote the thing, right? Here, I can create the content that the people want in live, like right away. Like read the question, answer. Other than my live Q&As or like a mailbag, I don't really get that opportunity. So when I do that on the pod, that's always pretty fun. For me, it's been being able to do a podcast, talk a little Seahawks after games, before games, and having fun with it. That and just that's been the best aspect. It's been able to do this podcast, have a nice audience, people that rock with us. That's been fun. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Are any of the heist movies you've watched good enough to distract me from the pain I feel inside watching my favorite sports team waste a year that they went all in on? Uh, good question. Uh, this question comes from uh, me doing like a heist movie run on Twitter. Uh, not on Twitter. I'm watching them at home, but I've been tweeting about all the heist movies I've been watching. Um, it's been fun. Appreciate all you guys giving me input. Um, most recently, I watched Hell or High Water, um, a 2016 Western heist movie that was really good. Um, I forget all of the stars' names as I'm speaking, but it's really good. Hell or High Water. Super, super, super good. Um, and I just watched Logan Lucky. Uh, another heist movie that's a little funnier actually a lot funnier starring Channing Tatum and another white dude and Daniel Craig um, oh, James Bond yeah I didn't even know he was Bond when I was watching the movie I was like oh that dude from Girl with the Dragon Tattoo 
I've never seen any of the Bond movies. Um, oh, another binge thing you're going to have to do. I'm not doing that. Um, but <laughs> someone asked me that. No, the answer is no. The reason I think both of those were good uh, heist movies is because um, the motivations of the two main protagonists were really good. Uh, so, like, the main characters who were the good guys, quote, unquote, if you don't know what I mean by that, um, in both movies, the motivations for heisting or robbing people are are really rooted in fatherhood whereas a lot of heist movies the root of the person's motivation is just get rich or get out of debt one of the two it's usually either like let me rob stuff so this person doesn't kill me and i don't have to i don't have to pay them back anymore or it's like oh i just want to get rich so i'm gonna rob a casino or an armored truck or whatever these two in lucky uh, logan lucky and hell or high water the main characters are motivated by being good fathers and that's, that helps you really, like, get depth within the character. I'm not going to go into a full thing. But watch both of those movies. They're both good. That'll help you out. With the full season in hindsight now, how do you, how do we feel about the Adams and Dunlap trades? Oh, good question. Uh, I feel good about Dunlap's trade for sure. Um, The Adams one is tricky now. I should probably do an article on that. Um, yeah, We talked about that off wax. Yeah, I mean... You don't win the division without Jamal, right? So that's tough. You feel good and okay. But if you don't win the division this year, you probably have enough assets to get better, get drastically better. Like, I think that first round pick in a year like this would mean something. Like, especially if that was something like Calandry, like JJ Watt. Right, you know what I mean. So uh, that's shooting for the stars a little bit, but you know what I mean. So I, I, I for sure feel good about Dunlap. I, st- I feel good about the Jamal trade. I still think it raises their ceiling to where it needed to be. Like he's not the, the trade is not the reason they lost. Although that trade is the reason why they can't get dramatically better. So it's not like a slam dunk quite yet, but I still feel good about it. I'm with you on that. I feel good about both. If you only saw DK's line of 96 yards and two touchdowns, how many points would you have guessed the Seahawks won by? Oh, they have, I was going to say how many they scored. Um, only DK's line? I'd probably still say one possession. And if you ask me how many points they scored, I'd probably say like 30. Um, that would be my guess. Um, but like the stat lines can be misleading. That's why uh, numbers like uh, metrics like DVOA and, and EPA are very important expected points added because it accounts for the situation that if you score a touchdown down 30 points you didn't help your team win that much whereas if you score the game winning touchdown like dk like i'd have to go look at the epa numbers on it but i would imagine that dk's touchdown against the vikings was much more impactful and he turns the epa than his touchdown his second touchdown uh today right because one didn't swing their wing probability that much whereas the the Vikings one gave them the win. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's why those stats are so cool to me. This is why I use them. They add context where you need it. The box score. Every, you know how the cliche is? This guy does stuff that doesn't show up in the box score. Well, we have box scores now <laughs> that <laughs> show some of that stuff, at least for offensive players, not defense. Um, so that, I'd probably say they scored 30 points and won by a single possession. What's the recommended hard liquor of choice tonight? Cheers for all the hard work this season, boys. The pot is a saving grace. Appreciate that, Dave. Um... Man, that's a good question, too. I would recommend something that doesn't get you uh, tossed real fast. So, like, champagne, beer, 
wine. I'm a big champagne guy. I like rosé. Um, I like some dry champagnes too because they aren't like too sweet. Um, because the sugary stuff makes my head hurt the next day. Um, I'm a big champagne dude, big beer dude, but I'm not like a fancy beer guy. I like um, I like Bodie's Office a lot. I'll drink Rainier every day of the week. Big Blue Moon guy. Um, pretty much any IPA I'll get down with for the most part. Uh, any other anything you gotta sip slow. Like don't just take a bunch of shots because the Seahawks lost. <laughs> you end up <laughs> pissy drunk Sunday morning. <laughs> you wake up and the Ravens game is on. You don't even know what day it is. Yeah, don't do that. Our last question. Which guests would y'all like to get on the pod over the off season? Okay, so I'll, give me your top three, Mike. I, well, I'll give you two, and I'll split them up. One is what I think would be semi-realistic, and one is like a shoot for the stars. Yep, type of thing. The semi-realistic one would be Doug. Well, I'll put two in that category: Doug or Richard Sherman. Um, I'd be cool with either of those as like the man. I could maybe do that. I could make that happen, perhaps. It's five percent chance, but it's better. It's greater than zero. My shoot for the stars one um, would be shoddy because I don't. I don't think that's happening at all. But that would be my real deal, ideal one. And then this is not for the reasons you guys think. My other one would be Sierra. Um, I just think that would be really insightful, and I think we we learn more than if we just had Russ. Like, Russ would probably give us a bunch of cliches and stuff and not let the wall down, which is cool, whatever. But, like, I feel like we get more out of Like, learn more about what we want to know if we got Sierra on there. I'm going to go with Bobby Wagner, who has said multiple times, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll come rock with y'all, and we haven't had him yeah, yet. Yeah, we got left on red there a couple <laughs> times. But it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. We love so Bobby, I got though. Bobby. I, too, want Shadi on. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be a really fun conversation. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go with two guys who I think – we can potentially get and that's dk and dj reed dk for all the reasons that we talk about him on the podcast Mm -hmm. his ability to just be fun to watch and the ceiling he has and then with dj reed just everything he's encountered and gone through and where he is today and what that means to him and i think that would just be another dope pod that anyone i think would enjoy because dj reed seems like a really cool dude to sit down and talk about this season and what he plans to do next season and things of that nature so those are those guys who i would love to have on the show and i know we could probably get bobby we just gotta actually you know bother him enough to be like yeah i got you guys my bad yeah that's the thing <laughs> i don't i'm not a double texter not to say we'll be texting i'm just when i ask something if you don't respond i'm not just gonna keep hitting you up yeah. whether it's an email or a dm or whatever that's just me with anybody yep. for the most part i don't really unless you owe me money maybe like other than that hey bro it's my 50 yeah like i'll <laughs> double text you for my bread eventually but not even then i'll wait a little bit in between texts i would i would add one more other twins griffin twins that would be you know what we did get Shaq our first year doing the show we oh that's right we did get Shaq. i would love to have them both on that we didn't get them both at the same time because of course you didn't know that shakim was gonna get drafted two three years later but hey yeah no even i've i've tried to get them this year too and it just didn't work out but no i would love to get them uh on the show too that one is actually i think realistic um but oh yeah we had Shaq on come on Shaq, come back yeah, and bring your no, brother yeah got you guys exactly <laughs> yeah so that would that would be fun but i'd love to have uh sierra and shoddy on and then yeah I, realistically i'd I want to work hard this offseason to get Doug and get Sherm on the show. Actually, you know what we should do? Now this is the end of the show. Hey, y'all. Tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Sherm's a free agent now. Yeah, right? Yes. Yeah, season's yes. over. Tweet both Tell of them. Tell Sherm. 
tweet and both Doug. of them. <laughs> let them know, like, hey, yo, Hashtag. you guys should do the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. I, I think I, I think I asked Sherm once, but he played for the Niners. He was like, I can't do a Seahawks show. I'm on the Niners, and I was like, oh yeah, we'll just call you uh, ex Seahawk. <laughs> well, well, now he's free agent. So well at the time, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, uh, if you guys want some people on the show, you should definitely just tweet them. Like, yo, you guys should do the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Except for like Sierra, don't tweet her. Uh, that, was make, that, that just make us look a little weird. She's got PR people. Thirsty. I know how to get to her PR people if I really need to, so don't do that. Charm, Doug, that'd be fun to get them on the show. And you know what? We got to bring back KJ. That's another guy. Yeah, we'll get KJ on the show for sure. KJ was, that was fun. KJ, Cliff, yeah. I want to see if we can get Steve Rabel on the show. Um, and this feels like our goodbye episode. We'll be back. Like, yeah, we'll be back so. next week. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how long this damn episode was. Just want to say thank you to everyone out there that did Twitter questions. We also saw all the love that we got. I didn't put it on the show, of course, but yeah, we read all of that. Thank you guys for the love and support. Everyone was out there saying, you know, I don't have a question, but I like to say I've been rocking with y'all. We appreciate that, man. That's really dope. So thank y'all for that, Mike. Anything you want to add? Yeah, I want to say thank you too. Like I'm, yeah, you know, we don't have time to read all the the tweets that say you guys are like doing great because uh, I feel like that would just be self serving. Um, you know, that make us look weird, but we do see it. If, if you only do it to Chris, he shows me like that people show love, and so we really do. Appreciate that, man. Without you guys, me and Chris are just talking to each other in Chris's living room. Like, that'd be weird. <laughs> like, we need, well, it's not super weird, but you know what I mean. Like, we, we do this for you guys. Like I mentioned before, I love the idea of, like, people asking what they want to know and then being able to just deliver the content immediately, whether I have the stat or the opinion or the reporting or the quote. That's super dope. I, when I used to do my uh, post-game uh, Q&As, like, right on the site, you know, I used to do those right after the game. Yep. I love that. I, I, maybe we might bring that back. I love that because it was just like right when I got back from the locker room, they're like, all right, Mike, tell me this, 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 and that. And I would love to do it. Like, that's fun. I just don't like doing it on Twitter because, like, that's free. But, like, I like people, like, our podcast is free too, but, like, at least it's a recurring fan base here that rocks with us. And then the people on The Athletic who would hit me in the comment section, I know those are the same people too. So, like, I love to engage in that because, like I said, I don't always know. Sometimes I'll be sitting there after the game like, hmm, what am I going to write today? And then I'll read some comments and get some tweets or, like, we'll do the show and then we'll get all these questions and I'll go home and do my morning after. You guys don't know how often you guys have shaped my morning after columns because I get all these questions from y'all. I go home, drink some caffeine. I'm up till 4 in the morning writing the morning after, and then it comes out great because I ingested the feedback from you guys and what you wanted to know, and then I wrote it. So, yeah, that's... Thank you. I appreciate y'all. We're going to do it all 2021, but now that the season's officially over, thank you for that aspect of it. Now let's keep killing it all offseason because I know everyone's got a bazillion questions about how to fix this damn team. And we'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to be tough. I feel like this is probably how Ravens fans felt uh, a little bit last year after mm. going 14-2 and and then just getting stiff-armed into the <laughs> offseason by Derrick Henry. Like, very similar. Also, shout out to everybody who said kind words about the Earl Thomas story. That was a... Uh, we worked hard on it. We worked hard on it as a team, not just me. So appreciate that. Other than that, we'll catch you guys sometime probably next week for sure. Stay tuned. Seahawks Man to Man, we just now getting rolling. Oh, you make my heart come down. Always tripping when you